Hello friends and welcome to Talking Transformative Love, the podcast that talks vocation, love and mission, celebrating the valiant woman that was Mary Ward. Before we get into this episode, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country, all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people across Australia, paying our deepest respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello friends, welcome back to Talking Transformative Love podcast. Today we have Libby Parker, who is the Director of Faith and Identity at Loretta Normanhurst. And Libby has driven four hours to get here. She drove from Gundagai, <laughs> a tiny, tiny town. Well, I think it's tiny, but that's because I've been there a couple of times. So thank you, Libby, for making the time for us. You're welcome. Wow. And this is the biggest commute anyone has ever made. <laughs> To do this, this, this podcast must be so important. To it you. is so important. I couldn't miss it. So those of you who are hearing us from other places, maybe come to us. <laughs> but thank you. Now, Libby, you grew up in Gundagai and you're a true country girl at heart. And from our conversation on the phone and, and other conversations we've had, you said that you love the country, love being immersed in nature. Give us an insight into the country that continues to give you energy and life. Mm. So you can kind of draw a picture for us maybe. Sure. Look, I grew up in the country. My yes. parents had a sheep and cattle farm and then later mixed farming. Um, and so I was always outside. I was always outdoors and there were always animals. We had sheep dogs and we always had pets. And it's just one of those places where you feel grounded. And so... I, even though I went to boarding school when I was 15, I always referred to Gundagai as home. Even though I lived in Chatswood and I had been living there for like 25 years, I'd say, oh, I'm going home, which is yeah. quite bizarre because I'd made my home in Sydney. So it's that nature and that connection to, I suppose, the country, yeah. to nature. I just always feel most grounded and most at home uh, when I'm in yeah. You know, the outdoors and I think it allows me to contemplate and yeah. think. And breathe. Oh, absolutely. And Clean breathe. air. Yeah. Except <laughs> when there are bushfires, but yes. Yeah, yeah. But very different to obviously Sydney. Totally. Um, and it, the, the congestion in Sydney. So yeah. I guess country, so I never really grew up in the country. So for me, when people talk about the country, I think, oh yeah, wow. Sounds fascinating. I couldn't live there mm. permanently, but it's it's something that we did, you know, getting away from the city, we, we, we would go to the country. Mm. But I, I love hearing the stories of people who come from the country because they've got, I think they've got a different perspective on nature and life and pace. Yeah, it's definitely a lot slower. You yeah. know, you have time to talk to people and you go into a shop. I was in a shop down there the other day and I ended up, I just wanted to run in and grab a couple of things ended yeah. up just standing there and chatting to, you know, these three people for about 25 minutes. Yeah. In fact, that you rang and I said, oh, look, I've got to go. I've, <laughs> I've got a nun on the phone. <laughs> that was the only way I could get out. I've got to go. <laughs> this podcast But it is first. slower. Like it mm. is, it just gives you a little bit of uh, breathing space, I think. Yeah. Would you say that the country makes you more of an extrovert or an introvert? Well, I'm a natural extrovert. <laughs> oh, really? I never would have picked it. But having said that, when I'm there, like I've just been there for a week, a lot of that time has been by myself outside with no music, no audible, you know, books in my ears, just me 
outside gardening and, yeah. and being yeah sort of alone so yeah. no talking no but it's but you you would gain energy from people and interactions and some that's something that there is time for in the country mm. and i think like my brothers and sisters are down there at the moment so i looked forward to we'd have dinner together and that sort of stuff so yeah. there there comes the companionship and that sort of stuff and that's when you know yeah, all the yeah. talking starts yeah so you're in Gundagai for this year i am and and the rest of next year correct and what have you been up to <laughs> <laughs> well it's so bizarre because i live at chatswood so i've got a little backyard and all that sort of yeah. stuff so literally massive landscaping project uh, going on at the moment on yeah. a, quite a steep hill so it has been uh, full on yeah. physical labor physical yeah yeah so you'll come fit, you'll come back to sydney it really already fit. feel like i might have lost a couple of kilos <laughs> maybe i need to move to come the guy so you come from a large catholic family with a lot of priests and nuns mm -hmm. it seems to be where you're drawn to all the time when i had this conversation with you on the phone before this recording I, I was surprised why you wouldn't join the Loretto sisters um, you're so immersed in the religious life aspect of things and I know that the charity sisters tried to sign you up, um, but you said, no, nah, I'm a Loretto. <laughs> um, I guess what, what formed you and what continues to form your belief system? Yeah, look, I think you right, rightly say, you know, big Catholic family. And I think family, we, we were always immersed in not only our immediate family. Yeah. I've got four brothers and sisters, and um, but my dad came from a big family as well, so there were six of them, yeah. and my mum had uh, two brothers. So we always spent any time, whether it was Sunday or holidays, with family. Yeah, my dad's brother was a priest, and so instead of going to Mass on Sundays when he was around, we'd have family Masses um, ah. at home. Yeah, so sometimes we'd do it outside. Uh, sometimes and of course you were the priest. Oh, I'd love to be. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> really? He did have some hosts <laughs> unconsecrated in the in the drawers that I might have looked at once or twice. <laughs> and you're like the body of Christ. <laughs> we just were always surrounded by family and yeah. family was really important. My grandparents on both sides uh, played a, a pretty big part in our lives and yeah. You know, it was just who we were. It was just how it was. Yeah. So never never too late to join Loretto, I think. <laughs> I could I could try and hook it up. <laughs> My husband would be very impressed. <laughs> now, obviously, all things Loretto, you said to me that your children often said, uh, Mum, you love Loretto Norman Hurst more than you love us, which I think is true, just don't want to admit it. But anyway, tell us if that's true. <laughs> I'm sure it's not true. I hope tell they us never if listen. that's true. And if you just be mindful, your kids may listen to this. I guess tell us if that's true, you know, that you've invested love and time into. Loretto Normanhurst, but Loretto in general, because you've, you're uh, involved in all aspects of Loretto. And I remember you said something to me um, on the phone, and that was you felt at home with Loretto, which is profound. And it's, it's, that's the feeling that you would want to get mm. in a place. It was interesting. I moved from an inner city school to, to Normanhurst, and uh, I parked my car in the car park and got out and there was this expansive oval, absolutely beautiful. And I just went, wow, 
and these massive gum trees and, yeah. and, and I just went, oh, this is wonderful as I'm walking up the hill. Yeah. And uh, very quickly it became apparent that I, I really did feel at home. And people kept saying, oh, you'll love this place, you'll love this place. And I thought, don't tell me what I'll, I'll love and what I won't love. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I yeah. fell in love with it quickly and very, very deeply. Yeah. Um, there was something about it and my children were still at school at the time. They were in, you know, year 10 and year 11. Yes. And um, I'd come home and I'd be raving about people I'd met and liturgies I'd sat through and things I'd heard. And as the story of Mary Ward unfolded before my eyes and the way people uh, told the story, mm. the more and more I was hooked and the more and more I'd come home excited and, and just happy to run back every day. Like I was, it was amazing. And yeah, that's when yeah. my daughters did say, Mum, we're sick of hearing it. You love Loretta Norman. We get it. We get <laughs> it. We get it. We get it. I said, no, I don't. It's like you've got two children. You love them both. Now I've got three. <laughs> I've got another one. I've got another one. <laughs> Libby, now tell us a, a little bit about what would be some of the challenges that you face as the Director of Faith and Identity at Loretta Normanhurst. Since your role, I guess, involves sacrificing your children. No, <laughs> Since your role involves a lot of commitment, but you're also bringing faith and identity in a contemporary way to young people today. I think the biggest, I think the biggest challenge for, for anybody in a Catholic school is making God relevant, making faith relevant. You know, that lived experience of faith that we took for granted when we were growing up. We always mm -hmm. went to Mass. It, yeah. There was no questioning, you know, whether God existed and, and the story of Jesus and Mary and all those sorts of things yeah. were just naturally embedded in society. Mm -hmm. And uh, where you grew up, who you social, socialised with, your family life, all that sort of stuff. So the challenge today is keeping faith and the identity of, of God and the Christian and the Catholic yeah. Church alive because for many people um, and for many kids today, they're not church, they don't go to no. Mass and, and their parents haven't since they were in, you know, maybe primary school yeah. as well. So it's keeping it, you know, like contemporary for them and to, you know, I'll go off the subject a little bit, but I was driving from Gundagai today and I turned the radio on on the outskirts of Sydney and this quiz came on and they were asking these ridiculous questions and they asked these two people do you believe in God mm. and I was I had to turn it off because their image of God they both said no yeah and their image of God was a person a man yes in the sky in the sky and With a beard yeah and it's like really we haven't progressed and so it's it's yeah you know how do you make people understand that God is love that God is amongst us that God is creation that God is you and me and God is within yeah, us yeah. so it's it's making it relevant um, to kids so they're not always focused on themselves but they're also outward outward looking and they're looking for hope and goodness yeah. and love in everything that they do so it's yeah. that it's that relevance I think is yeah. really hard and which it, it's it is really hard because of that distorted image mm. of God and it's about how do we move kids to an image that is healthy, mm. uh, that's positive? Because I think, well, I, on behalf of both of us, our image of God is so positive mm. and so life-giving that you, for me, even as a teacher, I'd, I'd wanted to share that with kids and, and help them see that God is not a man in the sky, mm. that God is in all things. And it's about 
going back to that reality that we actually, in order to know God, we need to know ourselves. Correct. And that's something that one of the sister Maria Bongiorno always actually helped me, encouraged me to see is that the more you get to know yourself, the more you'll get to know God. And I think that's something that is that you don't find in religious education necessarily. And we're fixated on sacraments and, you know, church history is great. I love it. But how do we actually give kids something that they can carry with them for the rest of their lives? Completely agree. And it's even the case, you know, you're in a school and religious education these days is taught as a subject. Yes. You know, so it all yeah. become, it becomes academic. So, you know, the, the challenge is not to, it's not just an academic um, subject. It's yes. a faith and it's a spirituality. It's let's crack it open and let's see what that really means yeah. and how, how it looks in our daily lives. And I think one of the things that you know, I suppose we do at Norman Hurst and, and one of my jobs is giving kids the experiences. So there are many different experiences, obviously, we offer immersions, retreats, you know, little tiny opportunities, yeah. but also the space Yeah, yeah. to have time to reflect on the experiences and then say, oh, okay, well, how, how has that changed me and how does that help me understand who I am? Yeah. And how does that help me understand how I relate to other people? and how I treat other people. So when you allow that space yeah. under the guidance of somebody, mm. um, that's when you know, some of that true altruism, yeah. you know, people get it, like kids get yeah, it, they go, yeah. wow. And it's, I guess it's about how will that vision or, or image of God sustain me in the, in the life that I'm gonna live. So it's actually what, you know, in terms of faith and identity, in a sense, is it's a big responsibility because it means that you're giving these young women that you teach and, and lead uh, in the school a sense of who, what faith can mean to different people. They're establishing their identity, but now it's actually about how do they take it to the next journey. Because I just recently attended the graduation at Loretta Norman, and you were there, Loretta Normanhurst. And for me, and it was a stunning, stunning liturgy. I'm so touched by it. I was so touched by it. And it, for me, it was about, wow, there are all these women on now standing in front of us. And I thought, that's the future. Like, that's what we're looking in. We're looking at women who will go out there and live that Mary Ward vision. Absolutely. And, it, and that's it. It's all about educating for the future. Yeah. You know, in our in our cohort that just graduated, there was 158, you know, young women. Yeah. And those women are going to go out, whether it's to university or, or to work or whatever, and they're going to be faced with challenges, choices, various vocations and employment opportunities and obstacles as well. So how do they respond? How do they bring those Loretto values and, and, and their faith? into those interactions so that um, they don't hide their identity, that they can, you know, like it's that, it's that let your, you know, your bushel shine, don't yeah, hide it under the thing, yeah. you know, bring it out and, and allow it to influence those around you as well. Yes, you know, when yeah. you're faced with something or someone who says no to refugees or, you know, a racist comment or something like yes. that, you know, don't sit back and, and allow that to pass by you know, step into that space where you say, well, no, 
actually that's 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 not okay and and, and to find their voice yeah. to be able to respond to that and yes. you know there are if you think about the number of Loretto young Loretto girls yeah. who graduate mm. each year mm. in the number of Loretto schools around the world if they could all find their voice and uh, yeah. and allow those values mm. which we're really trying to educate yes. and to bring to the light. You've you done. Know, yeah. yeah. How You've like, it, it's amazing. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. what profession they're in. No, no. It doesn't matter whether they're a nurse, a doctor, whether they're a cleaner. It doesn't matter. No. It, it is about the interactions with the other. So. Yeah, yeah. And before you came along today, we had Steph Lorenzo, a past pupil, and I'm sure you know her. And she talked about how, you know, Loretta education empowered her to be whoever she wanted to be mm. and that that's what it does really well is that it allows women to choose their own path but they can be anything they want to be mm. and it's that you know liberating feeling of being encouraged by the school to go out there and, and let their light shine mm. as, of course and as, as it has for Steph but obviously we're, we're talking about a specific person here, Mary Ward, mm. who makes, who has made these things possible for us. Mm. She's a valiant woman, a boundary-breaking woman, and I often say she's a mover and shaker. So every time <laughs> I want to get the sisters to do something yep. that is a bit out of their comfort zone, and I say, "Be like Mary Ward. We need to be movers and shakers." And I think, and that's my way of saying, "Come on, guys, let's do it." <laughs> I guess what is that? Those titles or those characteristics that we know about Mary Ward. What do they mean for you as a woman who is in the role of educating young women? Mm. Look, I think a few words that just come straight to mind. It's about empowerment. Mm. It's about courage. Yes. It is about pushing boundaries. It's about being courageous. And it's about, but knowing, knowing the path. Yes. You know, like the path could diverge, but knowing the, the, the anchor that that guides you that you understand that with great choices and that sort of stuff comes responsibility as well yeah and if you think about mary ward you know she was responding to the context of the time and the church and the patriarchal society in which she lived and the persecution yes and all those things and they weren't one-off challenges for her they were continuous throughout her life and continued to, you know, challenge the sisters or, or the institute, yeah. the women, mm. after her death. Exactly, and and yeah. for many, many, many years into the future. Yet there was that perseverance because they understood what she was trying to say and what yeah. she was saying. And she was responding to God and, and the call of Jesus. There is yes. no doubt about it. But in a feminine way, in, in a responsive way that totally gave her that idea that she knew what she was doing was right. Yes. And that she was being fully human. Yeah. And yeah. she could be fully alive because God gave her that permission simply yeah, by yeah. her birthright. Exactly. Born yeah. in the image and likeness of God, men and women. And mm. so, look, she is, for me, an outstanding role model. Like she, Yeah, she is. And I love that, that... This notion that we have of, well, not it's not a notion, it's actually the truth of being created in God's image mm. and likeness. And I think for me, if religious education could do anything, it's to, to teach mm. that. That 
for me is the treasure mm. that we have as Christians that we're created in God's image and likeness. And if we hold on to that, because then you start to see everyone in God's image. Mm. And then obviously then you're, you're drawn to these spaces where there is an injustice and you're, you're compelled to do something about it. And that's what I see Mary Ward doing mm. or was doing. Um, but Mary Ward women and men today are doing those same things. Absolutely. Still, still moving and shaking, which is great. <laughs> now, talking about things of vocation, uh, <laughs> we know that your vocation was to be Loretto's sister, and I still think it's never too late, but that's fine. <laughs> Some people do get me confused sometimes with Sister Libby. Yeah, yeah. No, well, no, no we're I mean... different. <laughs> well, when you came in today, we called you Sister Libby, didn't we? <laughs> so on her deathbed, Mary Ward said to her sisters, let your vocation be constant, efficacious, and affectionate. What do those words mean to you? Look, I, I, profound. When I did the pilgrimage uh, yeah. in 2019, um, one of the places we visited was where she's buried and, and yes. her tombstone. Like, And it was just wonderful. It was surreal to stand there and just read it in the old English. And, uh, you know, she must have been you know, that idea of being constant, you know, you can't give up. It's it's not whether you feel like it. Yeah. It's because mm. it is the right thing to do. It is the way. Yes. Um, and it's so countercultural. It is so countercultural. Because now people think, I don't feel like doing it, yeah. so I'm not doing it. No, today, it's, you know, I'm not going to be nice yeah. today or I'm not not going to be whatever today yet. But it's it yeah. is constant. And I think the other thing about, you know, those words is, you have to bring happiness. You have to bring, you know, it's that felicity. When yeah. I first came to Loretto yeah. and I heard felicity, I'm like, what? Yeah. Felicity, what is that? <laughs> but it is that, you know, you you choose how you are going to be and bringing that, that um, joy and that, not necessarily, not everyone's humorous, but it is yeah. bringing that joy and seeing the joy um, yes. in various situations and, and trying to be that constant guide and that constant... You know, when you influence, you know, like that influence, <laughs> it's that the out. influence. Yeah, I got there, finally got that. So it is about... So she's an influencer. Mary was she's an, an influencer. influencer. <laughs> she was probably the original Just, influencer. Probably. Uh, yeah. If she had Instagram. Absolutely. She would have, like, oh, can you imagine more followers than ever. Yeah. <laughs> the young people would be so fascinated by her vision. Totally. And that's what she was. Yeah. I like, could seriously. Imagine, I could imagine Mary Ward's selfies all over Instagram <laughs> and... With her mash, you know, not uh, in a mash- habit, out and about town, <laughs> you know, helping, yeah. swimming, absolutely, in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. She was the the pinnacle of a, an influencer, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know a lot of the women today who not just the women, the women and men influenced by the Mary Ward vision live those values, and they are happy people. I, th- I think that's what I. That's what I think but when I joined the sisters one of the things they would often ask me is what do you do for fun Mm. you know because I was uh, you know I was I can be a bit fixated or ambitious on particular things or and they'll say what do you do for fun you know just (laughs) and and that's that's the felicity is that what is it about this life that we live and these values that we live what is it about those values that can still make us happy Mm. and and chase what's fun and and not just be serious all the time 
Yeah, and I think, look, I absolutely agree that, you know, you having fun and finding joy in your daily life and, and in things, and if you look at the world now and you, you watch the news, and that, like you could easily be over be oh, overwhelmed yes. with, you know, sadness and, oh, yeah. oh, you know, like Russia and the Ukraine, like it's just madness and there's no reason for it except for, again, that patriarchal power struggle yeah, there yeah. and that, you know, the determination to make sure that people remain uneducated so they can't make informed mm. decisions. And so making sure that you know yourself well enough to see that there is still hope yeah. and, and possibility and, and joy and that you can be somebody that can influence that and, and bring that to the lives of other people. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah, and, and uh, I remember when I had a conversation with Damien Whelan, he talked about this, this quote as a, as a balance. You know, it's about living a balanced life. So we, we can be exposed to the news and all the horrible things that are happening, but it's actually about saying, okay, I need to have a balance. I'm listening to all this. I'm getting news fatigued and, and sad about the state of the world. But what Mary Ward is also saying, you need to also live life and be present in the today. Yep. And have time for yourself. Like this is about self care too, mm. you know. And and that's something that people admire about the value of felicity mm. is that it, it is about joy too. And and it's you know I was talking to Helen Thomas before you, and she was talking about the joy of the gospel, you know. So it is about our, our faith is a joyful faith, and it should be anyway. If it's not, if you're on the wrong, <laughs> you're reading the wrong things. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, focusing on the wrong, the wrong things. Yeah. yeah. Libby, thank you so much. It's been a real Fun. pleasure. And we look forward to part two in Gundagai. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. And drive safe. Thank you very <laughs> Thanks, much. Libby. It's a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the journey with us. This podcast was developed for Loretto Vocations Week. We want to continue the conversation, so we hope to see you at the next episode.